Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I appreciate you being with me today. It is April 2nd, 2019. And of course, I hope you will call me with all your investing questions because that's what we do. There's obviously no requirement to call me, but your participation makes the show much more interesting, I think. At least that's what I think. And, you know, it's Invest Talk. We talk about investments, we answer questions about investing. That's the show. You drive it. You're the ones that you know make take the direction that you want to go. I I got lots of things to talk about, but of course may not be interested to you. So, and this is a goal for everybody because we all want financial freedom, and that's where we're going. And to do that, we got to become more knowledgeable. It's as simple as that. So, you know, we practice independent thinking, and we hope everybody will have shared success including us, since we invest the same thing uh, in the same things as our clients at the same price, same time. Today, in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you forge that path to financial freedom. And we'll do it together, one step at a time. If you want, um, I'll help you. You can, you can call the show right now. We'll discuss anything you want to do, want to talk about, as long as it's financial. If you want to have more private meeting, we can do that too. So now as we're, the lines are now open. Our phone number is 888-99-CHART, and we're live and we're taking calls. So what happened to the market today? Well, yesterday was up pretty big. Today, not so great. The Dow was down 79. The NASDAQ was up 20, and the S&P was flat. So pretty much a flat day, really. Um, there was lots of news. Interesting news were out. Uh, um, the key House committee today passed a bill intended to increase the flexibility of 401k plans. They want to improve access to people, to employees, to 401k plans. And, you know, there's there's different parts of it, but the one that's probably the most compelling is that we might allow small business companies to kind of come together and offer a 401k plan to all the employees. And, you know, that... The size, if you put these companies together, means it'll be a better choice for the employees and usually cheaper. I mean, that's one of the main benefits. So we'll see what eventually come what eventually comes out of it if it does. Did you see Walgreens down 13% today? One of the Dow stocks. That's why the Dow was down 79 points. Would have been probably close to flat without Walgreens. They, you know, posted weaker than expected second quarter earnings and slashed their outlook. That's always the important thing, everybody, is the outlook. They slashed their outlook for the coming year, 2019. So profits are markedly lower, 7 to 12%. So remember, that's in the same sector as CVS. So Walgreens and CVS, I think we're seeing a reaction to... Uh, uh, a long-term care business, the deterioration of long-term care business. Um, I'm not sure why that 
long-term care business is deteriorating, but I don't really care for that insurance, by the way. I really don't. So, Facebook was profitable on day one on its IPO, but Lyft isn't, hasn't. <laughs> They've lost, what, $900 million? They started off $87 a share, and today, what are they, $68 a share now? IPOs, everybody. IPOs are very, very dangerous, very volatile, and not you, you as an individual shouldn't even think about them. Shouldn't. Quickly, Amazon is using Whole Foods, and they're going to lower food prices. They're going to lower Whole Foods prices. Do you think that's a good business plan? The e-commerce giant is hoping to spur sales and change the grocery's high-cost image. I thought the high-cost image is what they wanted, so they can charge high, you know, make more profits. But they want to go more mainstream and more, you know, they're going to cut prices on 500 items. And did you see the news about Burger King? And it's launching a meatless burger, meatless, designed by chemists. The report is that the meatless burger tastes very good, very much like the meat burger. Hmm. Now, from a supply standpoint, unlike organic food suppliers, production of chemistry lab burger patty can be scaled up pretty quickly. You know, they didn't talk about any benefits. Is it healthier? Is it, you know, less what? Does it provide the same amount of protein? What? They didn't say, and I, I didn't see it. But it's a chemically engineered food. Hmm. McDonald's is investing in building its own mobile app. Uh, I don't know if they're going into the meatless burgers, but I think a couple of other chains are. But McDonald's wants, you know, that they've had a partnership working with Uber Eats for two years, but apparently they want to cut that out and they want to do it directly, an app where you can order food at McDonald's through your phone. <laughs> I, guess you, I guess that's needed. I don't know. There's always news, everybody. And some of it interesting, some of it not. But, you know, what's really interesting is what you want to talk about. So give me a call. Your questions always come first. Our anytime listening line number is always open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys, just had a question. I've got an Ameritrade account, and pretty much what I've been doing is dumping 50 bucks in there a week. And I have enough money to buy something. I'll buy a handful of shares of a certain stock or index. I'm just kind of wondering, is this a good strategy? Other option would be like a Roth IRA, but my modified adjusted income is out of those limits. So appreciate the feedback. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, that there's, that strategy is good. If you keep it up, this is the trick. You gotta keep it up even when the market falls. When the market falls really hard, you ought to increase it. Most people can't do that. They emotionally can't do that. They cannot force themselves to buy more shares when they've just lost 25% of their money on the shares they already have. And if you're buying an index, that's what you do. You keep buying even when it goes down. Matter of fact, you want it to go down so you can buy more shares at a lower price. The stock market is the only place, only, only the only shopping in the world that when things go on a discount, people don't want to buy it. So the stock market is discounted they don't want to buy it. Every place else you shop, you would. It's the same principle. But see, people can't do that. It's fear that drives them. Fear that they're going to lose more money. And you really, you know, you may you may lose more money, but the market's always come back. Always has. So that fear is always a short-term problem. 
You don't need the fear. You don't need to have that kind of fear. Okay? You're listening to InvestTalk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I've got a save-the-date reminder for you. I will be returning to San Jose on May 1st, less than a month away. Yes, if you live anywhere in Northern California, I encourage you to, encourage you to make plans to sit down with me for a no-cost portfolio review consultation. We'll talk about your finances, your retirement goals. So I look forward to it. So, but you got to set up. you got to set up time. It's Wednesday, May 1st. Remember, time is my space is limited. Usually it fills up. Register now. To, you can register now at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's a fast-moving invest talk, and we're already into the second quarter of 2019. You want unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Steve Peasley is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go talk to Robert in Arizona. He wants to talk about AbbVie. How you doing, Robert? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Yeah, yeah, I was just calling because uh, I was thinking about picking up AbbVie as like a long-term hold. You know, I like the dividend quite a bit, and it seemed like it was pretty safe, and it seemed like it might be a good value right now, but I just wanted to see what your opinion was before I pulled the trigger on it. Sure, sure. AbbVie Inc., everybody, it's out of North Chicago, Illinois, develops Humira pharmaceutical biological treatments for rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, Crohn's disease. And that area with uh, baby boomers, my generation getting older and older, you know we're going to have problems with uh, uh, arthritis. So that's probably a pretty decent space for them to be in. Their earnings are going to go up 10% this year, another 9% next year. Sales are increasing... uh, Oh, the most recent quarter is 7%. Before that was 18% and then 19%. So it's still growing pretty good. The stock is $83 a share, going to make $9.43. So that means it's a 9 PE, and the lowest it's been in the last five years is 10. So it is a good value. Uh, the stock hasn't really done much for you know the last year or so. It's probably a little bit below. It had a great day today, but it's a little bit below where it was a year ago. So if you're patient, and it pays a 5.2% dividend, and I think that's pretty secure based on the earnings. If you're patient, this will reward you over time. I think this this would be a good place to buy this stock. You know, it's put in the bottom right around $76, $77. And that looks like a really solid bottom. And today it was up, uh, what, um, up $2.29 to $83. So, had a really good day today. I think it's I think it's a good buy in this area, Robert. I really do. A B B V is a symbol. Good luck with it. I hope it works for you. Thank you for the call. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. How you doing, John? Good, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the call. Um, well, Walmart's not the only stock that went down fifteen percent today. Um, unfortunately, S and H has gone down fifteen percent as well, and I have a oh, lot wow. of it, so I'm wondering if I should just hold it or, um, you know, move on to something okay. else. 
Well, you know, you're not supposed to have a lot of any one thing, right? I mean, we got to have a good diverse, diversified portfolio. Yeah. And senior housing property, well, I know you bought it for the, the dividend, right? Yeah. And then they've cut yeah, it. Yeah, the dividend is really... Yeah, whenever one of these cut dividends, their stock takes a hit. This is a read, everybody. It's SNH's Senior Housing uh, Properties. I like the space they're in. It's a read that owns and acquires, leases, senior housing properties in 42 states in Washington, D.C. So what happened to it? Uh, why did it slump today? Here's why Senior Housing Properties Trust is sinking today. I'd have to read the article real fast. But it would be my guess. Let's see if we... We get it. Did you read it at all? Find out. Yeah, Why I think it's it's today? tenant uh, is having trouble paying. I think the tenant has it's like thirty three percent of their business or something like that. Something something around that thirty uh, percent of their business. And and then there's a company that manages it and that, that's not doing well. And they're re, they're restructuring. <laughs> Oh, yeah. See, you know, so what you're telling me, there's nothing wrong with the business of senior housing. It's the the people they've surrounded themselves with, you know, that are causing them problem. So they, you know, have, so so they should be able to get through that, uh, uh, John. They should be able to get past that. So I don't know if I would sell it at $10.12 when they're going to make a dollar fifty-four. You know, that's pretty low price. Uh, that means... You know, you it's well below. No, I would not. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why I would not, first of all, you have too much of it already, John. So you don't want to do that. Uh, second of all, you don't know how bad this problem is yet. You got to wait till the problem gets flushed out a little bit. Today was just, we noticed there was a problem today. Well, we don't know how deep it is. So you got to, you got to wait for that. And that usually takes a week or two. Let's find out what's going on. Appreciate the call, John. That's SNH, everybody. Very good dividend. And the dividend's 15%. And see, that's why John loves it. And I like big dividends, but it always worries me when they pay that much dividend. Like, is that too good to be true? Well, sometimes it is. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Pease, and maybe most times it is. You're listening to Vestop. I appreciate it. I'm Steve Peasen. and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance as first step to building a more profitable investment strategy. And you can quickly calibrate your own personal risk if you want for free on investtalk.com. As we call it, Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. Very simple, very short. I'm ready for your calls. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy independent thinking, shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Steve is here taking your calls, so step up with your questions. 888 99Chart. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Tim in the Bay Area. How are you doing, Tim? Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You want to talk about a dividend strategy? Yeah. Boy, Sorry, I, I can't hear very well, but I'll, I'll just go ahead with my question. Um, 
Okay. I am, uh, yeah, I wanted your opinion on my dividend strategy, which is not really, I don't know. I So I buy uh, uh, stocks that have um, a, at least like a five-year uh, history of um, keeping the dividend as it is or uh, preferably increasing their dividend by more than 5%. Uh, and then uh-huh. if a stock uh, slashed their dividend, or if a company slashes their dividend, like it's an H that today, which is the previous caller, I tell, I tell them, right. so I practically dumped my shares in SNH as I dumped my share in Kraft Heinz uh, earlier, I don't know, a month ago when they slashed their dividend. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this could risk that I'm dumping the stock and then not a very opportune time, but I feel like the dividend and their, these stocks basically act somewhat like bonds in the fact that they, their dividend is somewhat secure. So if they lose that, I think they lose a lot of their value. Well, if you, as a dividend strategy, there's nothing wrong with that strategy because you really want to buy and own stocks that are raising their dividends. And whenever they do slash them, that is a concern. You know, you, you might want to look at to, as to why they slashed them and see if that's a temporary or a long-term problem. But sometimes that's difficult to know. So there's nothing wrong with a strategy where you only want to buy and hold stocks that are growing dividends and you're ruthless about exiting a stock that shrinks their dividends. And that as a strategy is not wrong. That will work over time. So don't, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a good strategy um, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, especially if you're not, you know, you can't spend time analyzing why they cut the dividend and is that going to last? Is that just a one-time thing? You know, you know, you don't have, maybe you don't have the time or, or the inclination. There is a whole book called Dividend Achievers that talks about this and about always owning stocks that are increasing their dividends and staying away from stocks that don't. And, you know, so there, there's nothing wrong with that strategy, Tim. It really isn't. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go to James in Sonoma. How are you doing, James? Well, I'm doing pretty good today, Steve. I want to talk to you about Medical Properties Trust, NPW. Uh, this would be going in an IRA. Uh, you know, it would be there for a long time. I'm typically buying it for the dividend, as you can see. It's a REIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks mm-hmm. like the dividend mm-hmm. goes up about 4 or 5% every, every year. It's not huge, but uh, the thing I notice on it is it doesn't have much of a payout ratio, so it seems like it's in pretty good stead. I've been looking at it for some time. Years and years and years ago, I owned it and uh, sold it. And I sold it at a profit. But, you know, with the REITs and all that, I'm not sure. What's what's our feeling on REITs in general and what's our feeling on, on this one in particular? Okay. Medical Properties Trust is similar to the other one that's having problems that we just talked about. This is a REIT that acquires, develops, and and Net leases healthcare facilities across the United States, $7 billion company. Uh, it has a pretty good track record of increasing their earnings, I mean, year after year after year. Um, probably the only time that they're not going to be able to do that is in a recession. You know, in the next recession, they'll probably have trouble increasing earnings. It doesn't mean they won't make money. It just mean make money less. And in fact, their sales actually went down this most recent quarter about 12%. Before that, sales were always growing. So they're probably running into a little problem here, but the stock itself is still moving. Do you already own it or you want? did you say you wanted to buy it, James? 
I want to buy it again. Years ago, I owned it, uh, and I uh, and I, I sold it. I'm talking, oh, 10, 12 years ago. I sold it right after, uh, right, uh, I think I sold it right before the recession. Um, and, well, uh, I think, uh, and I think, I, yeah, I think I was I looking might... at it again only because of what you said to uh -huh. that other uh, individual who right. called earlier. I said, well, I'll call him up on this one. Well, I think you might be a little late to the game. I think I would wait for some kind of pullback. It's selling right at the top of its five-year PE range, and it is not the PE range is seven to fourteen. So even fourteen is not very big PE, right? I mean, it's eighteen dollars and eighty-three cents stock going to make a dollar fifty-six. So it tells you it's what thirteen PE based on next year's earnings, which is not expensive. But for this stock, it is kind of an expensive because the range is from seven to fourteen. But the company itself looks, itself looks very, very solid to me. But it's going to... I kept waiting for it to go back I'd, about 16, but it doesn't look like it's going to go back down there. Nah, I don't think it's going down that far. How about how about just a, a, a you know, a, between a 5 and a 7% pullback? And you should be able to get that pretty easily. I think I'd just be a little patient here as we're approaching, you know, April and May. You know, you generally have a pullback, and you know they there's old saying "go away in May." I I might wait, just be patient with it, James, and just keep watching until until it gives you that pullback. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Next up, a question about 529 plans. But first, tomorrow on Invest Talk, five smart ways to invest your tax refund. Returns are averaging about twenty seven hundred dollars so far. We'll talk about ways to use that money, what to do with it to try to build your wealth. That's tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. The market continues to show ups and downs, and of course you want unbiased investing advice. So, Steve is here taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to James about the 529 plan. How you doing, James? I'm doing Jamie, good. I'm sorry, thanks, Jamie. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I just, uh, yeah, I have a newborn, uh, and I was trying to get your advice on where could I find a 529 plan. Uh, any suggestions where I can go and find the best well, one? Well, you know, the, the 529 plans are sponsored by each individual state. So, and the state does not have to offer a 529 plan. California does. Um, many states do. 
Um, I have been told, but I'm not, you know, I'm not personally aware, but I've been told two states have the best plans, but I've never checked them out myself, and that was Illinois and Florida. And you don't have to live in the state to have their 529 plan. For instance, you could call up Schwab, and you call up Schwab because they're in every state, and say, hey, I would like an Illinois 529 plan. But it might be better to call up Schwab and sit down and talk to him and say, what what state has the best plan? Because they should know. If they don't, then you need to talk to somebody higher up at Schwab, or or you can talk to Fidelity, or you can talk to Vanguard. You know, you can talk to any of those big houses, and they okay. will help you. Um, and But there are states that have, and the reason why a state might have a better plan is because it might be more flexible in what you can invest in. I understand California is kind of inflexible. They don't, you know, you have to buy certain things. And as the child gets closer to 18, they limit your exposure to less risky things. I understand that. That's what it is. But it's not my real bailiwick because I don't deal in 529 plans. But that's my understanding. So that's how I would do it. I would do some research and talk to uh, one of the big houses and have them help me. They'll be happy to open a 529 plan for you. They would. Great. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Jamie. You. Thank you. Thanks for, th- thank you for the call. Here's the subject of our main talking point today: as Amazon heads for two thousand a share, two thousand dollars a share, is a Lyft IPO a bust compared to what? What Amazon is? Well, that's what we're. That's one of my main talking points. I also want to talk about durable goods report that came out yesterday. Did you see it? It was down one point six percent. Shrunk. It shrunk. I want to talk about that. And I want to also talk about the IMF, International Monetary Fund. Um, what they, she, she, the, the chief of the IMF and what she said about global the global economy. And healthcare in retirement. There's some interesting articles out recently, and I think we should talk about it because many of us are moving toward that, that, that position in our life where we are going to retire. So what does that mean? For us, okay, we'll talk about those things first. Let's talk to David and San Leandro. I want to talk about charting. How are you doing, David? Fine. How are you, Steve? I'm good, and thank you for the call. Thank you for being so good to all of us. Uh, I have uh, a, basic, a question that's probably been covered a million times, but I've never heard an explanation. And, and then I have a comment okay. after that. What is the basis of support and resistance? Okay, very, very simple. It's an excellent question, by the way. And David, trust me, many people don't know. They, they, they just assume that, you know, they just assume that that's what it works. But why does support and resistance work? And remember, reading a chart, David, is not a science. It's not some scientific thing. It's all about a kind of an art. And the only reason you can look at a chart and say for the last year, well, here's support and here's resistance, the only reason why you're seeing that is because that's the price at which either buyers came into the stock or they stopped, they started selling the stock. So the price, the stock goes up and up and up and gets to $20 a share, and then all of a sudden it sells off. It goes down to 15 Then it starts back up, and that $20 a share is now resistance because that's where it was before and it sold off and now all those people that were clo- that were buying close to $20 a share 
are those people that say, well, gee, I'm almost getting even now. The second time it goes to $20 a share and they start to sell it. So it causes resistance. It's hard to get above it because sailor, sellers are getting even. They're getting out because they got even. That's what support and resistance is all about. Beyond the downside. So on the basis of uh, support, that would be the point at which lots of people are, are jumping in, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They kept, stock came down and people said, hey, it came down to the price it was before and it stopped going down there. So let me buy it because that's where it doesn't seem to want to go down anymore. So they start buying it. And that becomes support. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. It's all about statistics okay. then. Okay. That's uh, right. A comment. You, what you, people you brought do. up uh, Whole, Whole Foods a minute ago, uh, a few minutes uh-huh. ago. Uh, when, when Amazon announced that they were going to buy that, that brick and mortar, I was scratching my head, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still scratching my head a little bit, to be honest with you. But I, Me too. I know what's Me been too. happening <laughs> since they bought it. Um, what's been happening, we're, yeah. we're faithful customers of Whole Foods, and the quality since Amazon bought it has continued to go down. The other day, just yeah. the other day, we, we're, we're really fans of the prepared foods. When my wife and I are both working, we're coming home late, she buys something. We were very unhappy with everything we bought the other night. I mean, it, and it's been going that oh. way slowly, inch by inch. They're trying to go down in price, but the problem is they're going down in quality and value. And now they're going to be, now their competitors are going to be Safeway and Lucky's and, and the lot. When before, Whole Foods used to stand out as a premium vendor. When you wanted to get something really good, whether it was a birthday cake or, or a prepared meal, um, it was you knew you could get something really premium. The price was a little more naturally, but if you wanted something good because you deserved it for, for, to celebrate something, um, and, and that's kind of gone by the wayside now, and it's so sad. And that's, that's really what's yeah. happening. And I don't know where the heck it's all going to end up personally. Because the competition yeah. at the low end is tremendous, and there aren't that many premium yeah. grocery stores like that, that that you can get something really, really nice. So I I think yeah. Amazon made a mistake. <laughs> I do, too. I, I really do. I, I didn't understand it when they did it either, you know, uh, because, you know, David, they bought it. Amazon, who is what? A big, huge discounter, right? They destroy businesses by lowering prices and, you know, being more efficient. Whereas Whole Food was the high end of groceries and they weren't discounting. They, they weren't mass marketing. They were a niche market for people who don't mind spending more money for a high quality food. And high quality meaning healthy too. And here you are, Amazon, who didn't, doesn't specialize in that area. They specialize in mass marketing and, you know, discounting. And I, I still don't understand how that model is going to work. And they, they're lowering prices. So, they're, you're right. They're, what, are they going to compete with Safeway? What? what why? <laughs> you know, why, if you wanted to do that, why did you buy Whole Foods? Why didn't you buy Safeway or one of the other chains? You know, that, that are mass marketing. I, I didn't get that. I really didn't get that. But I agree with you. I think your comments are right on. And we own Whole Foods and some of our managed accounts when Amazon bought it. And we we just took the money and ran. We didn't, you know, I didn't like that deal at all. I didn't like it. Anyways. Our main talking point, as Amazon heads for 2,000 a share, is Lyft a bust. Now, Lyft... 
it, you really can't say it's a bust, even though it's selling off much off. It's only been around two, what, two, three days, and it's selling off way off its high. And sometimes it takes time. Uh, the, my issue with Lyft is you're going to have Uber coming out. Maybe everybody else has issues with Lyft. And, you know, do they make money? Is, is any of these companies making money yet? With an LFTY, is that the symbol? L. FTY, I think that was the symbol. Nope. <laughs> Anyways, LYFT, LYFT. See, it takes me a while to learn my symbols, guys. Yeah, it's LYFT. Yeah, they're still losing money. They're going to lose money next year. Yeah, so uh, the sales are growing fast, but, you know, Amazon was losing money too when it first came out, though. But I, as I said before, you should not buy IPOs till at least over more than six months past from the IPO date. Most IPOs after six months sell below their IPO price. Most do. Now, of course, you have your exceptions, and the exceptions are the ones you all hear about. You know, oh, yeah, Amazon, oh, yeah, the big boys when they first came out. Well, but that's the exception, not the rule. So, but does just because Amazon's so successful, does that automatically mean Lyft is not? No. I'm more worried about that whole sector, Lyft, Uber. Remember how they make money, right? That is, you know, you put in your phone, they pick you up, a driver drives around, and you, it's like a taxi, right? But they're all moving toward driverless cars. What happens to that business model? Even Lyft and Uber, they're all working hard for driverless cars. Boy, what does that do to your employees or whatever? I don't know what they call them. They're not employees, I guess, independent contractors. Uh, you know, they're going to change their, their model dramatically again. I mean, this is already, I think it, I think there's going to be some big winners. And it could be both Uber and Lyft. There's going to be big winners in that space. But... None of it, nobody makes money, and I'm not I'm not interested in buying stocks that don't make money. Just not. Just has not been over the history of my investment life that just doesn't seem to work out. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I hope you're making the right choices with the money you have in your 401k or your IRA. And really, candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study the fundamentals and trends and technicals and all those things that we do, it's going to be very difficult for you. It is always difficult. This is not a simple thing. You can do it. I'm not suggesting you can't, but you can't do all the things that, you know, people like me, people do this for a living. We have the whole day to do it. We study this stuff all the time. But, you know, if I'm, I'm and if you can't handle your 401k, we have we have a program for that at investtalk.com called Active401k. So we can help you with any of those kinds of things if you want. Time to give us a call. We're live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news, sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. 
You'll get targeted value, formatted for fast consumption, when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Durable Goods Report. I like the Durable Goods Report. I like it because it talks about, it gives me a hint of how people are, I see uh, the confidence level of people and companies. Durable goods are those things that last more than three years. So they're usually high-priced, expensive items. And this is a February report, which is, you know, old already. I mean, here we are, April 1st, 2nd. We're getting February because all the government stuff. But the February report showed a shrinkage of 1.6%. Now, you can't take that top-line number. When you're looking at the durable goods, you cannot look at the top-line number and say, oh, gosh, that's not good. And minus 1.6% is not good. In a growing economy, it should be expanding, not shrinking. But if you take out airplanes and defense, okay, airplanes and, and defense, without those, it was up one-tenth of one percent. So you can see how airplanes, because they're very expensive items, can make a big difference. And now with the Boeing 737 MAX 8 having its problems, remember this is February, maybe March numbers aren't going to be that good either. I don't know. Plane orders were down 31% in February. So, hmm. Core orders. When you look at durable goods, the durable goods report, really what you want to focus on is the core. They call it core, C-O-R-E, core durable goods orders. And that also fell one-tenth of 1%, and it's a little concerned because that was three months in a row. One-tenth of 1% is small, but it's still a shrinkage. Three months in a row kind of means a trend, and I don't like that. So we'll see. Now, core represents those things businesses buy. You know, you're really looking for, you know, you're trying to get rid of, like, you know, cars and anything transport-related. You're trying to figure out what companies are doing. Do they have confidence? And see, I like, the reason why I like the durable good, because it shows a lack of or Abundance of confidence by people and companies in the economy. That's why I like it. Even though it's not a leading economic indicator. It's a lagging economic indicator. But it can show you trends, and you're looking for trends. We're all looking for trends. And the trend has not been so terrific. But it's not at a point where you're going, oh, my God, this looks bad. It's not like there either. Remember, the expectation was for the top line to be a shrinkage of 2.1%, and it was a shrinkage of 1.6%, so it was better than expectations. But still not good. I don't want to give the impression it's a good report. It's not. But it's not disastrous either. But it's also old. And that, I mean, we should be seeing um, March pretty soon here, if they're on time. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley, and this hour seems to be moving fast as they always do. We only got about 10 minutes left. So get your questions in. 888 99 chart. On the next Invest Talk, with about 60% of tax returns already filed, refunds are averaging $2,700. Tomorrow, Five Smart Ways to Invest Your Tax Refund. But now, Steve Peasley is back 
He's ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to Jose in San Francisco. How you doing, Jose? Uh, pretty good. Thanks, Steve, for taking my call. No problem. I, I have a general question. Um, I know back then, sure. years back, they, uh, stocks used to have split, and now they don't. Uh, I'd like to know why. What's the reason why? Yeah, isn't that funny? You're right. In the nine in the nineteen nineties, before the dot com implosion that's that collapsed in March of two thousand. In the nineteen nineties, with all those dot com IPOs coming out, stock splits were common. For everybody else, maybe I should explain Jose. Stock splits is where the stock price goes up and up and up and they split it. They can split it two for one. So let's say the stock is, you have 100 shares and the stock went up to $60 a share and they split for two for one. Well, what would happen, the stock would go to $30 a share, split in half, and you'd have 200 shares. In other words, you had the same amount of money. It didn't change the amount of money you had, but the stock was split down to a half, you know, half this price. And I think, Jose, one of the main reasons why that was happening so frequently is that the market was attracting new young investors, a lot of them, and they didn't have a lot of money. So they thought that they could keep the, the, to keep the, the, uh, the, the program growing going if they kept coming out with these IPOs, the dot-coms, and kept their prices low so, they can, so you can buy 100 shares at you know $10 a share or $15 a share. I think that was a main driver of stock splits, to keep the stock prices low to attract more young new investors who didn't really know anything about the stock market. They just knew that they can get on that dot-com and and that it was it was a disaster waiting to happen. And right now, it seems like they're not that interested in attracting new young investors. I don't know why. You would think that you would see a lot more splits, but you don't. All of a sudden, splits yeah, are not yeah. in favor anymore. So I, I, I'm not sure why. I don't know if there anybody has a real answer for you because they're letting the stocks go up to high. Look at look at Amazon. You know, eighteen hundred dollars a share. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, close to two thousand. Yeah, how many shares can you buy? I mean, how many people have you know two, three hundred thousand dollars, and they're going to buy you know thirty thousand dollars worth of Amazon? They, they shouldn't buy that much with that much money. It's too 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 much. So so I'm not sure why they're not splitting it. But you know, Warren Buffett never ever split his A shares of Berkshire Hathaway. Never, and it cost two, three hundred thousand dollars a share. Per share. Yeah. How many people can buy that? Yeah. So, good question, Jose. I, I appreciate you asking it. Appreciate it. Thank you. IMF, International Monetary Fund, says that global economy has lost its momentum. But they also said, she, she's the president, also said that the global economy is not sliding into recession. And she even mentioned China and China's stimulus package, trying to get them to continue to grow. Now, this week, one of the reasons why the market went up so much yesterday is China uh, announced that their, was it their uh, manufacturing uh, PMI is up above 50? And above 50 means expansion, below 50 means it was shrinkage, and it got below 50 and then popped back up. So, 
<coughs> excuse me. So that I'm just pointing it out that maybe, you know, I've said that we might fall on we meaning the U.S. might fall in recession late this year or maybe next year, and the, if China can stimulate its economy. And if we could do that same thing where maybe, you know, infrastructure spending or something, then we'll obviously be able to push back that recession date. Um, Without doing anything, you know, we talked about last week the uh, inversion of the yield curve. Now, it looks better Monday and Tuesday this week. It went back to not being inverted. The normal version is, is where the two-year Treasury bond yields more than a 10. Well, now it, now it yields more. But it still is a signal that maybe down the road, the economy is going to have some problems. I think that's still true. Now, it may not be a deep recession. I don't know exactly when it's going to start. No one does. No one does. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. I really appreciate the questions today, everybody. Thank you very much. And have a great evening. I'll see you tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.